Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. So, I hear you had a dream. I did. It's true. <laughs> I actually, so we planned to do this one a few days ago mm. and then last night I just was waking up with all the dreams Mm. Um, I was having, I guess, nightmares in that there was bees, and bees generally aren't a happy dream. Um, <laughs> I don't know, can be happy. Well, it wasn't uh, okay. for me. Well, we're going to talk about your dream, but um, we should keep it quite short because one thing we do know about dreams is that everybody's fascinated by their own dream, mm. uh, but nobody else cares. <laughs> Which, then again, when, when you, you try to tell somebody else had a weird dream, yeah. you always well, what was it? And you uh, you do, but you do it because you're being polite. You don't really care. When you tell me, oh, I had a really interesting dream last night, I just think, oh, I hope it's going to be short. <laughs> well, you, this is, that's you, though, isn't it? Maybe I'm just rude. But people go on about their dreams, don't they? Oh, I had this dream last night, and and then you think, oh, my goodness, you know, <laughs> why should um, I care? Um, but, yeah, okay, go on, Celine. Tell us about your dream. Um, well, no, it was... The, re- the thing that is interesting, I woke up and I like slapped my chest because I thought that there was a bee. So, oh wow, yeah, it's like I woke up and I was like, oh, brilliant. Wake up at four in the morning, got a Sunday off for a change, beautiful. But anyway, <laughs> um, I had dreams. Um, you were in the dream actually. Oh, right, um, okay, I'm so interested we getting, now. We were trying to get rid of the bees, um, right, and like. You were doing something annoying with the bees. I think you were like whacking them about in my direction. I think that's why I end up with a bee hitting me in the chest. Because I think, and I was like really angry and shouting at you. Um, Because you were being an idiot with the bees. Um, But the weird thing is, they were actually like really big and black bees, like all black. All right. The bees were. Yeah, and it was strange. And then it was, yeah, just a very unhappy dream. I woke up and just like, rubbish. Um, Actually, I, I had a dream um, not last night, the night before. Um, it was like a, it was a really unpleasant dream, um, and I, I actually woke up sobbing. Oh. <laughs> well. I remember your mum going, "You're all right, you're all right, Stephen. It's all right. Wake up." Yeah, um, that was quite mm. weird. That's not a good sign, is that's it? That's normally when you think. No, that's normally <laughs> when you think that you're going back to the meetings. Yeah, do you know it was. Um, Again, I'm not going to bore you with it, but it was something to do with me trying to, I was trying to put forward an idea, like a presentation or something. And I won't say who it was, but there was somebody in my previous life who was messing about and just making it rubbish. And they were kind of shitting on my my presentation, essentially, in front of everybody. Mm. Um, 
but I was very young. I think I was like a child. And that's why I was crying. I was sobbing. Uh, but it was just frustration. So I don't think it takes much uh, analysis to <laughs> work that out. But yeah. Well, Weird. There you go. Actually, yeah, you so... used to have night terrors. Yeah, I bet that was fun. <laughs> that was terrifying. In the middle of the night, and it was when we were staying at uh, my mum and dad's, actually, when we first oh, got married. We were, we were saving for uh, a deposit on a house and. Um, so we, we stayed there for about six months. But yeah, I remember one particular time when you just woke up in the middle of the night and absolutely, you, we couldn't wake you up. You were screaming. You must have only mm. been about, I don't know, six or seven months or something. You, you mm. could stand in your cot and you were standing in your cot holding the bars and absolutely, it seemed like you were terrified. And then you went, mm. eventually you settled down and went to sleep. Um, and that was it. You had them every now and again. I think it's not that uncommon for children to no. have these night terrors. Um, but you grew out of it, obviously. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, um, if, if any of our listeners uh, as parents have experienced that, they'll know it's really quite disturbing. It's quite frightening because you can't mm. wake the baby up and you're trying to, you know, try to soothe it. Very mysterious um, things, yeah. dreams are. But yeah, so we thought we'd talk about what people, what they used to think dreams were, and now what we kind of think about dreams now. They're still kind yeah. of mysterious, really. I don't think we have, like, true answers, but... Absolutely. Hilariously, on um, Dreamsopedia, it tells me that <laughs> dreams about a black bee is a clue for importance of partnership. Your non-traditional path to success will make you stand out from the rest. Oh, so there's specific uh, yeah. other people dream about black bees. Mm, Not just yeah. about bees in general, but um, that's a specific yeah. thing. It might also stand for disloyalty in some area of your life. You are surrendering <laughs> a significant aspect of yourself. Black bee is a metaphor for used up energy. Mm. You are ready for celebration. <laughs> um so there's weird yeah. things like that. And then, well, you know, uh, there's a and website called... this stuff oh, like, you know, what does black specifically mean? You know, is a colour, what, you know, and then mm. it goes into that. So it's all this like metaphorical, mm. this means this, which means that, extrapolate from there and so on. Yeah. Well, on the um, Crystal Clear Intuition website... <laughs> um, the big sources which, today. Yeah. We're going for the, yeah, the highly... Uh, respected sources it says that dreaming of bees often relates to the emotional harmony in your environment because bees operate in a hive they can draw your attention to social issues work-related pressure and an overall sense of belonging in one's environment okay so yeah i suppose work did change the rotor rotors the other ah, day and that was quite stressful go. so that's it yeah bee dreams <laughs> mm. yeah mm. i think dreams are so interesting because they are obviously a big part of us apparently we we dream for about six years of our lives that's a lot isn't it that's pretty staggering isn't it so an average lifetime you're going to dream about six years worth of that that's pretty amazing well some people uh, have higher and lower dream budget is what we call it in our house so some oh, people right. have like very fantastical dreams and others just don't remember their dreams and we're like if you've got a high mm. dream budget you know hollywood level dreams you have these like fantastical <laughs> dreams if you've got a low dream budget that's when you oh, just don't remember your dreams right okay so you, you, so do you have, have like a high or a low dreams. yeah do you have a high or a low budget <laughs> dream 
I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, so how do we tackle this subject? Because it's massive. So I think first, like I said, so there's the way that we were just talking about my dream is all very like Freudian um, sort of dream theory. So yeah. we could talk a little bit about that in that they thought dreams were this like, I guess it's this idea that the the self, um, there's like these hidden parts or these true parts of the self and are kind of revealed in dreams where there is no, um, I don't know, like strings holding you down or like societal mm. things. It's just your pure consciousness is this idea. And it well, can be explored uh, through dreams or whatever. Yeah, let's um, let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, I must um, obviously uh, state that I'm not um, an expert in uh, sort of psychoanalytic theory, so um, I'm you know I'm using sources too. I'll, I'll mm. give a, a list of the sources that I'm I'm using uh, that we're using on this. So according to uh, what I've looked up about this, the the Freudian view of dreams is obviously related to his his overall theory around this ego, id, and superego. And he thinks that dreams are essentially ways of our id, which is the unconscious, the sort of primitive bit of us, if you like, um, mm. communicating wishes. So actually dreams are all about wishes, wants, and motivations. So if you can understand what the dream is you're you're getting a window into what the person wants the motivations and, and their mm. wishes um and then the, so that's that's kind of the id if you like coming coming out and and you can you can understand what's going on from that perspective but the because the um it's all in kind of images and metaphors you have to then interpret what that dream means on the basis of you know what what the individual id is trying to say and it so it doesn't do that in prose it does it through images and mm-hmm. these images represent things so what freud is trying to do is getting this insight into people's desires wishes wants and motivations and of course being freud mm-hmm. a lot of it is sex or sex related um so you know so, so basically anything that is longer than it is wide <laughs> Mm-hmm. is some sort of phallic symbol oh, um anything that penises. holds well, <laughs> sorry oh freud and his obsession with penises absolutely well yeah but also anything that's um a space that things go into you know uh pits caves bottles boxes uh mm. churches even these are all female uh genitalia um related stuff so then obviously as as he's as you're telling him the dream he's trying to analyze all this stuff um I've, we call I've it got analyze some... it's just he's just he's just a little <laughs> pervert isn't he <laughs> well um it's interesting i was listening to some stuff and um again the in our time podcast is a good uh always an interesting listen from the bbc and they had some guests on there some neuroscientists actually well mm. two neuroscientists and a psychologist i think um and i was quite surprised actually at how they were saying we we're coming back round to some of freud's ideas around dreams not his specific schema i think you know in terms of this means this and this means that but the idea that dreams are actually telling us something about our mind if you like and and what's going on there is to do with our 
motivations is something that actually is is has got a bit more traction again because uh, for quite some time we we just dismiss dreams as just being of no value at all just forget all about them um and i think we're, we're changing that a little bit because something's going on there it doesn't necessarily I mean that something's going on with yeah. dreams i don't think they're like i don't think they're like clear maps but there's something no. going on absolutely yeah mm. um I'll, I'll give you a few of the the bits that relates or the, the symbols that that Freud um, talked well, about. Just I don't oh. know if Freud talked about teeth dreams, but that's a common one, isn't it? It is, yeah. So I, I found a, a reference to it. I've I've had teeth falling out dreams. I've had teeth falling out dreams. Mine is specific though, because I actually have a fake tooth. So mine is normally mm. my fake tooth coming out. Specifically. Yeah. Well, that that could just be. Uh, you know, as you say, it's just related to the actual experience you're having. Um, let me go through a few which are quite interesting. Um, the person as a whole, so this is from Psychology Today, which is a website. Um, I'll put the link to it. Psycholo- um, the person as a whole is often represented as a house. Oh, houses with smooth walls are men, and those with projections and balconies to which one might cling are women. What about non binary people? <laughs> Uh, do I have a combination of both? I don't know. I don't know. Parents appear in dreams as kings, queens, or other highly respected persons. Children and siblings are symbolised as small animals or vermin. Nice. Well, you've um, n- I've never had a dream where you and Mum are like royalty. Well, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have a dream where we are royalty. You might have a dream mm. about royalty, which right. would symbolise. Um, some sort of parental thing. So yeah, don't be too literal. This is the mm. idea that you're looking at things and then these things represent other things. Birth mm. is always represented by some reference to water. Mm-hmm. So if you're diving into water or coming out of water, this relates to uh, birth mm-hmm. and death is um, replaced in dreams by taking a journey out of nakedness. Now I had a weird dream, which um I forgot my trousers. Uh, it's symbolised by clothing, especially uniforms. But actually, I had that naked dream, which I think um, is is one of those kind of common, like like teeth uh, falling out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're we're into sexual life now. So, oh my goodness, um, sticks, umbrellas, poles, trees, the Washington Monument. <laughs> Uh, knives, daggers, lances, swords, firearms. Mm. Uh, I think you can guess what those are. Telescopes, mm-hmm. collapsible pencils. We can <laughs> we can stop there. I think with that one, uh, uh, it's just so weird. Um, female uh, pits, caves, bottles, boxes, trunks, jars, suitcases, pockets, ships, pockets. the mouth. Pockets, yeah. Churches and shoes, wooden and paper objects are symbols of women, whereas breasts are represented by apples, peaches, and fruit in general. Okay. So what what do we think about I think we think um that that Freud, you know, we don't really take his symbols very seriously. But Mm -hmm. the idea that they uh what what you might what you're dreaming might be some sort of um representation of the unconscious or subconscious, I think is some people think that there is something there about that. I think in terms of using my dream as a case example, you might be like, mm. oh, you've been quite busy recently and you feel maybe yeah. you, 
so maybe that's why having dreams where you feel a bit like overwhelmed yeah but i think having specifically been like and bees mean community and community means it's an issue with yeah. your community i think it's like maybe taking it a bit too far personally uh, i agree yeah I, I think that's right and um so i kind of sit in that anybody really of believes that yeah well, i think some people do i think the people maybe. that believe in uh what is it uh astronom- astronomy or astrology. astrology astrology always confuse them around astrology Don't. i know it's upsetting <laughs> um astrology people that really believe in like their star signs i think they also really believe in like dream symbology as a venn yeah. diagram as i like to often say well yeah believing in those right. two things and then you're in the, in that in that bit yeah that's right um and part of that is because they are so uh they're, they're so powerful in terms of the experience you know when you wake up and you've had a a very vivid dream it, it feels so meaningful um, um and that that could there could be reasons for that we we'll, we'll come to that when we look at the uh, the more cognitive psychology and neuroscience mm-hmm. behind dreams um but it, i think that is part of the the strength of it you know it is so it is such a powerful feeling and obviously there's some physiological changes that happen to the body as well during dreaming, um, such as paralysis and that, so that can uh, be, so to avoid you acting out your dreams, uh, mm. during phases where you might do that, you, you are essentially paralyzed. Yeah. Um, so you don't, you know, hit people and uh, walk around. Obviously that sometimes goes wrong, which is yeah. why you get a certain dream. My partner definitely states. kicked me in the night. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's not good if your boyfriend is a black belt in karate. Just boot me in the night. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, thank you. My love. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the Jungian view. So uh, Freud is is one uh, school. Jung, who was Freud's uh, student at one point, um, but he developed this. He didn't see dreams as being a representation of the id. Uh, particularly, mm-hmm. but more of a way of communicating the psyche, which is more of a kind of coherent element of, of the, the mind, if you like. Um, but again, he saw them as uh, symbols, as but just because that's a good way to try and represent very complex ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jung would would tend to think about these symbols as, as being all about things within, as opposed to uh, you know representing things from the outside. But yeah, it's all the problem with with all of this is is it's um, it's all about interpreting things without very much evidence, really. So um, mm-hmm. I think this is the weakness of of all these psychoanalytic theories. Is you know where's the evidence for this? It's just interpretations of people's experiences mm-hmm. or, or their told experiences so yeah so i don't think seriously we hold that much store by them but then there's another there's another set of dream uh or thinking about dreams which is a supernatural one uh which again I, you know i personally don't subscribe to but throughout the thousands of years of history i guess that's been a really important um mm-hmm. way of thinking about dreams the, which um, which is where your your Venn diagram comes in, I think. You know, if you if you yeah. think that dreams are some sort of communication from uh, either the spirit realm or through some other um, ethereal plane, then yeah, then you start to see dreams in a different in a different light. Are you alluding to something? Well, I'm thinking about um, 
you think about major religions and and mm. even the minor religions actually they they all have uh, stories a lot of them have ceremonies and traditions around dreams don't they i suppose so yeah there's a lot of like prophecies brought to people in dreams yeah which um is interesting so i don't think it would fly now but obviously because it's written in the bible and it's all well, well, it's not just the insert, Bible, you know. Insert religious text here. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's gone with. But if someone was like, "Oh, I've had a prophecy dream," but okay. Well, yeah, um, but I mean, even in those days, I guess it was you know. I guess it, a lot of people, people did were fairly skeptical. Did, how did Noah get told about? Was he awake? Was he dreaming? Um, it just says God told Noah. I think I don't. I don't yeah. think it's, it's just like, very clear. Um, you. <laughs> Yeah, but there are lots of dreams in in the Bible of mm. people. Uh, but I just want to stress, it's not just the Bible, though. You know, if you look at um, you know native religions like British, ancient pagan British sort of religions and um, Native American traditions and and so on, they, they all have dream elements mm. to them. And sometimes they would uh, take drugs as well, so they'd find roots and things that would dream state. Yeah, exactly. Um, and some of the religions, it's it's absolutely integral to that experience of of actually mm. having an altered state where you can commune with with another plane mm-hmm. or another world. And so also dreams have in been terms of just integral. like not just religious but still spiritual, people yeah. often think that in order to speak to like the dead or um, commune with other beings, you need to yeah. be in some sort of dream state. Like that's often in media, like the weird insidious films you know there's like this they they leave their bodies in a state of like sleep or hypnosis or something Mm. that's a reoccurring theme as well isn't it it is yeah 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 so um so i suppose you know so the bible is no different to that in in the respect that it, it does talk about dreams um also god chooses in the bible god chooses to give dreams to all sorts of people actually not not only worshippers of of him but also others um one of the most famous ones is nebuchadnezzar who was the king of babylon and he was given a dream in fact there's a there's more than one dream that is interpreted in the bible about nebuchadnezzar um one that's very relevant to jehovah's witnesses is the is the dream of the tree um so uh, those ex-jehovah's witnesses listeners among us will will remember that um very, very briefly, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about a big tree, a huge tree that's mm. uh, essentially is visible to the whole earth and it's huge foliage and animals live underneath it and it's like, you know, it's a massive, massive tree um, and then it gets chopped down um, mm. and there's there's some strange symbolism around the uh, the stump, if you like, being banded so it can't grow anymore, so fair enough that kind of would happen if you put a band tight band around a tree trunk it can't obviously mm-hmm. uh, grow that was the theory anyway um but then the, the stump itself changes from the heart of a, a man to the heart of a beast mm. um and this happens over a period of seven times um and so the the king uh, nebuchadnezzar asks his people to tell him what it means mm-hmm. and um daniel who is a is he's a Jewish exile essentially. He was captured by the Babylonians and brought to Babylon. He becomes a wise man in Babylon and he is able to um 
explain what's happening. And he tells Nebuchadnezzar that the tree represents him and his kingdom. It represents Nebuchadnezzar himself, that because of his pride, he's essentially going to be chopped down and um, made to behave like a beast. And that will happen for seven times. Mm. Um, And according to the Bible, of course, this is what what happened. Um, About a year later, he proudly looks upon his kingdom and um and at that point he he becomes mad and uh he he goes uh, living out in the the wild um like a beast um and then once he after the seven years it happens to be he uh, realizes that god you know jehovah is god he is the real god of the universe and um he uh, he's restored back to his his kingdom, so that's that's a dream that the Bible has in it, and Daniel, that Old Testament. That's Old Testament stuff. But what's yeah. interesting is that um, some uh, groups like Jehovah's Witnesses, and actually this comes from this Millerite whole kind of time prophecy thing. Um, so that's that's wacky enough. So we have to accept that God, the God of the universe, is giving a king in Babylon, a weird dream that another person is interpreting as being this. Okay, so we have to accept that. But now what the Watchtower says is that what that actually meant was had a greater fulfillment and the tree, although it represented Nebuchadnezzar, it actually has a major fulfillment in that the tree is God's rulership. And God's rulership got cut down. They mm-hmm. say six oh seven, but it's everybody agrees it wasn't six oh seven. Um, it was what was it five eight seven? I think. Um, anyway, they say it was six oh seven when Jerusalem got destroyed, and then from then the tree had been cut down. And they mm-hmm. then count using all these time prophecies to try and work out how many years since that date to the time when the the, the restore restoration of that kingdom would happen. So they take that prophecy in Daniel mm. that was about this big tree and they apply it to today and they say that all of this happened 2,500 and... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 2,520 years to the time of when the restoration occurred. Date, guess... I don't know, 1914 oh, uh, which one. is how they get that uh, that day so mm. um you know you think about why should you believe that um you've got how many levels of unlikelihood have you got you've got you've got a testimony you know if this was a court of law if this was any sort of evidence-based mm. assessment you've got a king who talks about a weird dream which is supposed to have come from the god of the universe somebody who then explains what that dream means with no reference to any kind of you know is that actually what it means or not mm-hmm. then you've got a record in the bible which talks about something that we can't know where a whether it happened or b whether it happened before or after this event is supposed to have taken place um and then on top of that, you've got this huge great thing that sits on top of that saying, actually, that wasn't actually what it meant. It meant much bigger thing. It meant God's kingdom, even though Daniel never said that. You know, Daniel never said the tree represents you, Nebuchadnezzar, but also has a major fulfillment somewhere else. That was never mentioned. And yet we are supposed to accept that that was the case. 
I'm getting on my high horse about something that isn't that relevant. But this is the problem with dreams is that they, because of their ethereal nature, then obviously they, people interpret them in so many different ways mm. and then they have a life of their own, don't they? And on the basis of that dream, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses have been waiting for the, the new system of things to come within well, about a hundred years of that, of that event, the 1914 event so it kind of has massive meaning for people it had a massive impact on my life this king in babylon (laughs) having a weird dream affected us in the Mm. 21st century isn't that weird this is why dreams are evil no (laughs) (laughs) well it's why you shouldn't you shouldn't try and read too much much into them them. yeah Yeah. i think the other thing that i would say one of the other areas of dreams is where people have a dream about something like i had a dream that i met somebody and then i met them um Mm. you know what does this prove well it proves absolutely nothing in fact what it proves is statistics because if you think about the millions of people on the earth all dreaming because everybody dreams um it is absolutely going to happen that at least one of those people in the world is going to dream about a person and then see them the very next day mm-hmm. um, and also things like disasters you know oh, i had a dream about an air crash and do you know what the, la- the next week it happened well it's the same Again, with, um, it's other prophecy to happen. as well because there was mm. this one thing where um someone was like oh um it's in a tv show but they're like oh um I went to this woman and she said, I'll find my true love when I'm wearing red shoes. And they're like, okay, how many? And he's like, so, you know, I'm wearing my red shoes. And they were like, yeah, but if you're always wearing your red shoes, of course, you're going to find the person that you feel in love with when you're (laughs) wearing red shoes because you're like self-fulfilling it. Right. That's another one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. Um, So, oh, it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare. It's a bit of a (laughs) bit of a nightmare. Um, Okay, so what uh, what do we do? So I think we've done this in reverse order. We said we were going to look at the scientific yeah. elements of dreams first, and we ended up getting sucked into... You got into... excited to go there, so I'll let, I'll let you do it. <laughs> so yeah. should we talk about the signs now? Yeah. So what, what do we think dreams Actually are? are. Yeah. Well, I know that mm. you have to have dreams, is I think a thing, but to like... No. What? No, I swear you do, to be like, okay, because <laughs> when you like... Um, well, like, well, it's good for you, isn't it, to have dreams? So, like, when you have um, to get well rested, to have dreams, you have to remember them, but to go through the process, it's like good for your brain. I've heard, yes. And that, like, if you, um, uh, if you partake in cannabis regularly, like every night, you don't dream, do you? And that's not good for your rest to not dream. Yeah, I think there's um, there's definitely. I mean, obviously, dreaming is part of our biology, so one would assume it has some function. Although it could be just that it's a side effect of something else that's going on. So there's kind of um, so listening to experts in this area, um, they're kind of uh, there's roughly around three different possibilities. So one is that dreams are just a side effect of something else that's actually happening in the brain. Um, that might be cataloging and organizing what's happened over the day or whatever Um, another one is that dreams do actually have some meaning in relation to our underlying unconscious desires and wants and so on a bit like the freudian position Um, and another one is that 
um, the actual dream thing itself is is really important, and it itself is part of the uh, a process that needs to be done, if you like, in mm. order to to keep us healthy. Um, so you made a statement that we all have to dream, and I think it's not wrong in that a healthy person dreams and pretty much everybody dreams there are some people apparently who have had some sort of brain damage who aren't able to dream um and they survive what but there might there might be some issues around uh memory loss and the ability to hold new memories so there it could be um issues there uh what what i've found quite interesting because i always thought that dreams were um only happened during REM sleep. So REM sleep is the period of sleep where the, the brain is very movement. active. Yeah, mm-hmm. rapid eye movement is what REM stands for. Um, and so you can see that even with your dog, can't you? You can see when the dog's mm-hmm. having REM sleep because it, it's moving around, it's twitching, and um, mm-hmm. the eyes are moving around. And that's when we've done experiments on dreams that's when we wake people up so if you wake somebody up during so what you know the, what, what we've done to try and study dreams is have a a lab where people sleep there's a bed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, then you go and wake them up basically when they're in REM sleep because yeah. you can tell because of the brain activity there's different mm-hmm. brain activity profiles and you can see when they're having that so you go and wake them up and then you ask them what were you dreaming about um so when you do that you start to get some quite interesting um, mm-hmm. data um, so that's one way of doing the research. Another way is to get people to do a dream diary. So as soon as they wake up, they have to put in this diary what they The first they one remember. sounds really funny. Just some I know. Can you imagine, yeah. behind, Dreams now. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. please. Um, but also what they found is that um, REM sleep isn't the only time when we dream. So mm. we do dream in other states as well. Um, but it seems that the different types of sleep do tend to have slightly different types of dreams um so what what i've got out of my research on this is that i think what seems what the the current understanding is and i will say that most scientists say it's embarrassing that we don't understand this more there's there's no part of life that has been studied more actually psychology than dreams we are fascinated by it and we still don't really have a proper good answer for what we don't know a lot about the brain still so i guess and dreams in particular but but what we think is going on is that um during sleep but also dreams in particular um we are remembering things that have happened to us during the day um or not just necessarily during the last 24 hours but during the you know reasonable period before the dream and we are somehow cataloging that and characterizing that um and part of how we do that categorizing is by associating those images that we because our memory tends to be in images and we are categorizing that with other things that it kind of sits with if you like so we've talked about categorizing before in cognition and cognitive psychology is that we tend to categorize everything and so dreams might be a way of us doing that and in the in the process of us categorizing it then particularly during REM sleep what then happens is that we essentially try to piece all those things together into a coherent story or narrative that allows us to store that memory and it goes then from the hippocampus which is a 
uh, a more short-term kind of stuff we've done over the day, that's in our hippocampus, which is a structure in the brain. And it's the process of it going from the hippocampus to the cortex, which is the more long-term area of our memory so that we can retrieve it. And in that process, it's that that is, it depends how you want to describe it, either causing the dream or the dream itself is the process by which those memories go from the hippocampus, which are just kind of unrelated images that have happened to us over the day, to our cortex, which is where we, we're going to store our long-term memories. And so it's that process that's happening. That seems to be where we are at the moment with what we think dreams are, which I think so is really like interesting. Filing. <laughs> Essentially, it's a filing so process. So we think that they're really exciting and like, wow, what does this mean? And it's just like admin. <laughs> I love that. Dreams are just mind admin. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I'm going to read you a couple of little bits from uh, another bit of my sources. So um, I've got so the Psychologist magazine, which is part of the British Psychological Society. Um, as a member, I get this every month. And it's great that I can use this. I've mentioned before that I get these magazines every month and um, generally just put them on the shelf. But I'm starting to use them on the podcast. So great. Um, so here's a here's a little paragraph from A Brave New World of Sleep by Gareth Gaskell who's reviewing the evidence on memory consolidation during sleep. Uh, and he says, the one of the key benefits that sleep confers is the opportunity to revise, reorganize and strengthen our memories so that we can extract the most useful information from recent experiences and optimize our use of these memories when we wake up. Mm. And this process is known as consolidation. So I think that's, probably the most common way of thinking about what dreams are uh, among the psychological community that is process of, of consolidation okay. um, and another paragraph that's, that's quite interesting I mean, um, sleep is just weird in itself isn't it I'm just thinking well about it yeah now. absolutely yeah we just go be unconscious for like you know eight hours it's weird so uh, again, this is another paragraph. The great advantage of sleep as an offline state for consolidation is the fact that we can use the hippocampus in replay rather than record mode. Mm. So that's a really nice way of thinking about it. If you think about the hippocampus as like a, uh, a recording device, whilst you're having your life, you're recording these memories. Mm. Um, but then when you're offline, um, your hippocampus can then uh, play it back essentially and the cortex is then able to store that information so that's yeah. that's kind of the way we see it but yeah you're right sleep is um, itself quite a mystery a mysterious thing it's a it would seem to be a very risky uh behavior for any animal that that could be preyed upon um so it must be very very important we all do it we're not just humans that sleep is it Absolutely. Even um, even corals and things like that seem to mm -hmm. be sleeping. They're, they've, they're looking at things like fruit flies and corals mm -hmm. and obviously all mammals sleep. Birds sleep um, with one eye open sometimes. So yeah. half of their brain Dolphins is kind of in sleep. Dolphins sleep with one eye Dolphins, open. Dolphins, yeah. Um, so very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, certain animals like horses sleep in kind of like a, 
in, yeah. a, in a certain Running mode, up. don't they? That, yeah, they're ready to go if needs be. So it's like we need it, but we know it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. So there's all sorts of strategies that mean that a certain amount of awareness can uh, can still be there i mean the idea that sleep is restful it is restful for the body and it is restful for certain parts of the brain um but there's certain times for instance during rem they used to call it paradoxical sleep because paradoxically it is just as active as when you're awake so in Mm. rem if you were to do a brain scan of somebody in rem sleep and somebody who's awake there's not much difference so basically you are as though you're awake it's interesting, isn't it? Because you think, you know, when we're talking about consciousness and all of that, um, it's kind of like you don't really think of your asleep self as, as it, it's like the bits of you that you're not aware of are like yeah. doing stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's weird to think about you feel like because you're kind of, yeah, you are out of control when you're asleep. But the brain doesn't have an off switch. So even no. when we're asleep, it's not, it's not like the brain just switches off. No. Um, it's still active. Conscious it's still doing stuff. Conscious, yeah. Unconscious you is off mm. doing things. Although, again, this is probably related to the different phases of sleep. So we, we know about REM sleep mm. and we know about non-REM sleep. But apparently there's there's other subcategories. But I, I think, you know, I know from experience, sometimes you feel like you hear a noise or something and it, it feels like you're awake before the noise happened. Mm. Um, and I think often that is that you still do have external awareness, even in sleep. We know yeah. that because sometimes our dreams incorporate it, don't they? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because like looking for an alarm to turn off is yeah. actually my own That's right. alarm. I mean, I'm I really have going to the toilet it. dreams where I'm desperate to find a toilet. And in my dream, you I'm, hope, you should, I'm looking for a public find toilet. The toilet though. <laughs> yes. That's the danger. <laughs> I know, it's true, but you do have mm. them. Um, I had. I know mm. that you do have sense of awareness because I was a freaky child, and that <laughs> I, I wasn't meant to be awake before a certain time. But then I would just like go and like stare at Mum. Well, you would come in the bedroom and just stand there and look at yeah. us. Yeah, and then obviously you'd wake up and be like, "Child oh, of Satan." I've <laughs> <laughs> kids do that, though, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, the other phenomenon that we haven't talked about is um, lucid dreams, which are dreams where you are you are aware that you're actually having a dream. You Have getting, you ever had one? No, but are you getting conscious? Oh, I think I've had a dream where I've been like, this doesn't feel right, but it's yeah. not like fully connected. But then have you ever, are you getting like what you need from sleep if your consciousness gets involved? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's a good question. Because um, some people like force themselves to lucid dream, don't they? Yeah, you can. Well, you can do certain things that give you a better chance of being able to be aware that mm-hmm. you are awake. Although I've never managed to do it. It sounds quite funny that you can direct your dream a little bit, you know, saying, I'm going to go and fly now and you can go mm-hmm. and fly. And mm-hmm. uh, so that sounds quite fun. Yeah, I don't think there's any evidence that it's bad for you. No. Um, no. Again, I you do so. need REM sleep, but that doesn't mean that that so this is the thing that that i found very interesting with the the latest mm. research is that this idea that rem sleep and dreaming is essentially the same thing has meant that we think that if you don't get rem sleep and you suffer it's because you're not dreaming that's why you're suffering but that's not necessarily the case um but so there's no reason to believe that you 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 know lucid dreaming is is bad for you in any way i know some someone that said they 
can't like properly lucid dream, but they kind of they can kind of do it in that they were like they knew they kind of knew it was a dream, but they weren't a hundred percent, so they couldn't actually like just full on fly. But if they like picked up like the backs of their knees, then they'd kind of like be flying. So it was right. like yes, yeah, so they had to kind of like cheat the system because they weren't a hundred percent, and then they're like, oh, it must be a dream, surely. I can never done this before. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and sometimes you do, I do remember that I do ask myself sometimes that question, but I've never given the right answer. Mm. You know, I've never said, yeah, this is a dream. I think I've always thought, well, it, it's, no, it's not a dream, you know. Um, the quality of a, a dream. dream. Say, You've had a flying dream, though. I have had a flying dream. Yeah, that was good fun. I mean, the, the other thing I was going to say when you said about uh, feeling refreshed is, uh, you know, often people have terrible nightmares and they um, there's some research again where you can actually watch people who are having nightmares it's pretty horrific actually pretty scary but when they wake up they feel like they've had a great night's sleep and that happened to me the other night uh, I woke up and I said you know what that's the best night's sleep I've had for ages and your mum said to me well you were screaming in your sleep <laughs> very very <laughs> odd like, no I didn't yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's like mum's like yeah. mine's atrocious. I'm shattered. The partners like, um, yelling. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's all a, a really interesting area, and um, we, we've covered lots of different uh, domains here today. We've covered, mm-hmm. you know, psychology, religion, and uh, and obviously the, the the science of neuroscience and uh, and the way that that brains work. So fascinating stuff. Um, yeah. Anything else to say? I think I've said all I want to say about dreams now. Yeah, I feel quite okay. satisfied. Maybe I'll go have a nap and see if I have any wacky dreams based on that. I suppose the, the one thing I'd quite like to say before we before we wrap up the, the dreams mm-hmm. segment is um, one of the other things in, in my research suggests that um, people who suffer from PTSD or other um uh, illnesses that are about bad things that have happened to them um there is some evidence that that dreaming about those events actually can help us mm. um and that relates to one of the other theories that dreaming is not is not just about cataloging and categorization not just admin if you like but it's also part of the learning process and the and the foreshadowing process so through dreams we both uh, learn from what's happened in the past Mm -hmm. and also project ourselves into the future. And there's Mm -hmm. some interesting experiments on rats, actually, that I'll put the link in um, from a a discussion, a a debate, not a debate, a panel on a Mm -hmm. science fair, the World Science Fair. Um, And they showed you uh, a little maze where the rat was walking around and by matching the brain waves they were able to identify what the rat was thinking in terms of where they were Um, and when the rat was sleeping they could actually see that the rat was going around the maze in its little mind both forward and back so it was remembering Mm -hmm. and also we think projecting into the future so that's one of the things that dreams might do for us is the ability to both think about what happened in the past but also play in our minds certain scenarios mm-hmm. that allow us to think about the future so there might Maybe be something why, in, in it you there. know when you've been doing something and you can't work it out and it's like yeah 
uh, go to bed now and see if That's you can right. do it in the morning and you actually can. You actually do. There's, there's actually really good evidence. As a, as a trainer, um, I'm really interested in this area. There's good evidence that doing courses in shorter blocks where you have days or even weeks in between actually helps people to remember more effectively rather than doing a day's course in you know in a, in a whole eight hours if you do them in two hour chunks yeah. people are likely to remember more because well, of the sleeps in between and also though don't, um if you if they didn't check it out kate mentions about that in the um homeschool one about things that uh you know uh, when you're teaching you need to like do recall quite often at the start yeah, yeah. and spread the recall out over time to make sure it is being stored in that long-term memory yeah there's a really a really interesting paper about what works in training um might we might do an episode about that but um the two things that stood out for me were regular testing with a small t so not necessarily exams but mm. regularly giving people quizzes and stuff uh, was one and the other one was yeah chunking it up so you have sleeps in between mm-hmm. um and that both of those two are one of the most or two of the most important ways to make sure learning and development actually happens which i think mm-hmm. is fascinating actually very interesting cool so i have a quick tweet of the week celine yes go on tell us your tweet of the week Tweet of the week, 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 tweet of the week. Right, so the tweet of the week is a really happy tweet of the week. It's a tweet that Riley posted today as of recording on the 5th of December, Sunday the 5th of December. He's posted a lovely picture. So I kind of married a worldly woman yesterday while wearing a Christmas jumper. There's a lovely picture of Riley and Marcia, who who is now his wife, which is great. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations to you both from What Should I Think About from Stephen and Celine. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well done. So that's the end of Tweet of the Week. <laughs> Okay, side note, yeah. I've got to ask you, and we only communicate through the podcast now, so obviously I'll ask you now. <laughs> no, um, but have you played Sabutio yet? Uh, no, I've, I've, um, no, I found, um, so Sabutio is a table football game, it's quite old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know have, if they have it anywhere else in the world. but I don't know, but do. I told Mira about it, my housemate, yeah. and she was like, oh, my brother used to play ah, Sabutio. Yeah, so maybe it's, it's not big. completely died out because he's only 21 or something. So Sabutio well, lives on. Indeed. Well, I had a, um, a text from my cousin recently um, saying, you know, we'll have to get the Sabutio. He'd found his Sabutio stuff. Um, and he said, we'll have to have a game of Sabutio. And then... Um, I was just thinking about that and you know I just thought I thought oh yeah that'd be great and then I went to town last Saturday and uh, just popped into the charity shop mm-hmm. guess what I found in the charity shop 
beautiful Sabutio. Well, it wasn't beautiful, but it was a box, uh, a proper Sabutio game, mm-hmm. um, complete with everything. Uh, so, yeah, I've had it out um, just to check everything, and it has got all the pieces, all the balls, which is amazing. Homework for you yeah. is to set up your Sabutio, take a picture, I will. and put it on the Twitter. Absolutely. I'll and maybe do that. whoever responds will be the next tweet of the week. <laughs> yeah and what's lovely about that um which is another side note but there's a little book in there because i used to play with my brother subuto when i was little but Mm -hmm. there's a um, in this one that i've bought from the charity shop there's a little book in there notebook which is for Mm -hmm. the scores and you can see the scores in there the games that they've been playing you know argentina versus chile um and they've got the scores in there which is what me and my brother used to do yeah you know what that's fun that's great i like that about me and mum play Scrabble, and yeah. <laughs> there's um, you know, all the games from when she still when she lived at home and played Scrabble with her parents. So that's nice. It is kind of it's wonderful that little just window into a past of somebody. When you look at that, you think I can just imagine, you know, happy times playing those those games. Because mm. my dad had Sabuto when he was a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually he had a proper Subutio box with all the game in it with the pitch and the players mm-hmm. and it used to be at the top of the wardrobe and I remember seeing that there because it looked very attractive to a kid obviously little little kid and I remember saying you know what what's that you know and my, my dad would say it's um, it's a game that you can play when you're old enough to play it because mm-hmm. obviously at a very small age you're too young you're going to break the pieces or put them in your mouth or something um so he wouldn't let us play it until we were old enough um and then i remember the day when he said right you're old enough now to play this and we we got it mm-hmm. down um that and we yeah we played that all through our childhood and then into our teenage years and and uh, yeah it was a big part of um of of our childhood which was great so yeah we're gonna we're gonna resurrect that again i will okay i'll get that out i need to iron the pitch uh, mm-hmm. we'll get it out and me and mum will have a i'll have a game yeah we'll put a photograph yeah. on yeah nice <laughs> awesome great well mum's um podcast version came out today again this yes. under the fifth um so i'm interested to hear how people respond mm-hmm. to that it's mm-hmm. quite a personal one very powerful um yeah so yeah be interesting if anybody's got any observations about that it's quite uh, in uh quite quite intense some of the, some of the it is yeah i mean it starts off in a way just like any any other ex-witnesses life and then suddenly mm-hmm. takes a right turn into um oh my goodness you know mm-hmm. um so yeah but she tells it in such a chill way because she's... i know well yeah you do don't you if you've exposed yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. but yeah um yeah uh, kind words would be appreciated um, i'm sure mum would like to know that people you know yeah this morning so, she said to me you know has, has anybody downloaded it yet is there people listening to it oh, so please be nice to mum. she said i hope i don't ruin it for you oh no <laughs> yeah she's too nice isn't she mm-hmm. um okay so just before we go um i've had an email from we, we're, we're going to be interviewing someone called darren slade shortly and he's uh, president and CEO of the Global Centre for Religious Research. So it's going to be really interesting to talk to Darren. But he sent me an email, and because of the short time frame, I, I just wanted to get this out of there. Basically, they've got a, a conference. It's called the Second Annual International E-Conference on Atheism. And they're featuring the subject God and Suffering. And it's on Saturday and Sunday, 
December the 11th and 12th. So that literally is coming up in the next few days. Um, and he has given me a code um, that you can use at the checkout if you want to attend. Um, so normally I think it's about $15, but you can get a £5 discount if you put this ha- this um, special code in uh, that is for our listeners, and that is hashtag atheism with a capital A. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, obviously because I've only just started to become aware of this organisation, I-, I can't really tell you much about it, um, but um, I wanted to make that available to you so if you want to go to that conference i'll put the link in the description go to that link and then uh, when you go to check out when you go to pay for your ticket it's hashtag atheism with a capital a and you just get five dollars knocked off your entry fee um, okay so yeah if you do that and um, then by all means let me know how you get on i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to attend because of other things we're doing but um yeah be it sounds like a really interesting conference right okay well i think that's us done for today um have sweet dreams everybody um and um, if you want to you can tell us your dreams although i think i've made clear that i'm not that i interested. want to hear them <laughs> tell me your weird dreams go on <laughs> Okay, good. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and um, if if your app allows you to do that, don't forget to do the review. Um, And, um, yeah, join us on Patreon if you want to. Perfect. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production.